Hello and welcome to the latest podcast in the series, How Might We? And today I'm joined by Neil Loughton and he wants to talk about today is how might we become more effective leaders in today's difficult times? So Neil, welcome. Hi Scott, great to be with you. And uh, likewise, so do you want to just introduce yourself to the listeners a little bit please? Yeah, sure. I'm uh, Neil Lawton. I have uh, a couple of job roles. The first is I'm a director of uh, my own business, Lawton & Co., which is a leadership consultancy and training organization. Uh, I am chairman of a charity called the Scientific Exploration Society. That's all about discovery, research and conservation. And I'm also founder and uh, president, if you like, and and, uh, working member, honorary secretary of the Penny Farthing Club. Okay, so a man with many titles and many interests. <laughs> sure. Okay, so as a keen cyclist myself, well, I'm not so keen because that's why I put so much weight on. But yeah, I like cycling. So as we were talking before uh, we came on, is about penny farthings. They look scary. Yeah, your cycling and my cycling are a little bit different. So um, we've both cycled Land's End to John O'Groats, that iconic charity challenge. I did mine last year. But unlike you, I did it on a 54-inch bicycle, uh, a penny farthing, and it was uh, probably a slightly different experience. But, uh, I yeah, think it was a, probably harder work and scarier going down some of those Cornish hills. <laughs> Absolutely. So cool. Okay, so you wanted to talk about how might we become effective leaders in today's difficult times. So do you want to expand a little bit about sort of where your thinking currently is about that? Well, look, uh, we are in a difficult moment in time, most of, most of us in business and in, in, in life in general. And I just thought it would be an interesting uh, discussion, particularly in so much that, you know, we're, we, we've all had to adapt uh, to these uncertain times. And my experience of, of coping in a crisis Mostly, there's a lot of factors involved, of course, but mostly it's about good leadership. And I think if, if, if anything, if we ourselves can be the best leaders that we can be in our environments, our businesses and uh, amongst our community, then I think we would stand a, a good as chance as any to get out the other side of this miserable time, you know, in good shape. Okay, so it's interesting because some research by Gallup in saying that the, it's all about the leader, it's all the manager about the performance of organizations and so much pivots on the leadership from the senior management team down to your first line managers and your supervisors. And that's interesting. You've talked about leading in an organization context, but also in a community context as well. Yeah. And I think that's why, you know, the, 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 the thing I like to talk about is current leadership It's not about leadership in the 18th, 19th centuries and different styles of leadership that maybe worked in Wellington's time or, even in in recent sort of 20, 30 year time period ago. It's about, you know, what that looks like now and, and how we can help people be the best that they can be. And it's not just about leadership per se, and that leads into high performing teams, of course. And I'm a firm believer, I've never done anything pretty much solo or on my own. It's always been with other people. And that's the key, I think, to good leadership. It's about relating to others helping others on the journey and your, and your, and your team and, and a shared vision and goal to extract the best performance, if you, if you like, at any given moment. Okay, so you talked about, so obviously, because I've been in leadership development for many years as well, and a lot of times if you do leadership training, they, we spend a lot of time about leadership styles. Um, and they go back to things like, like Hershey and Blanchard and, and the John Adair model of leadership. 
as you say. So you think now we should be concentrating more on sort of those relationship issues and sort of supporting others and helping them be the best they can be? Yes, absolutely. And, and I think, yeah, for me, it's more about qualities of a, of a leader of the 21st century. Uh, kind of what are they? What do they look like? And, and how do they help others achieve the collective uh, goals and aspirations of the organisation, uh, the community, or indeed the company? Okay, so thinking about where we are now, and obviously in the crisis and your experience, a lot of experience of dealing in crisis situations is what sort of qualities do you think we should be looking at developing or identifying in our current and future leaders? Well, um, I have a checklist of uh, uh, four or five qualities that I think that are, that are critical. Probably number one f- for me would be competent. You know, you can be, you know, the best, you know, most confident individual. You can be great at your trade, but you know, if you don't have that innate competence, intense knowledge of, you know, whichever area you need to be competent with, with relevant experience, and also tinged with a a little bit of being able to cope in in uncertain times. I think, so for me, the the number one quality would be, in a leader, would be competence. Does that make sense? Yep. So confidence is not just about being able to do the job, because I think what happens in organisations, from experience I've seen, is, is we see somebody who might be good at a role and then there's an assumption they'd be good at leading people in that role because they, they can do that job. So we make them a manager of a department or uh, uh, promote them to like the CFO or something because they're good at finance. Yeah, and then, no, absolutely uh, right. And you know, competence uh, is a huge subject and topic in its own right. And, and in fact, it's almost an impossible uh, task uh, you've, you've set me to talk about because uh, you know, much better people than me have been experts in leadership have written incredible books on the subject and it's a massive massive topic of course so uh, this of course of my own personal experiences and and if you like minor wisdom on the on the matter but I think as a starting point as a as a leader uh, leader of, of, of people in a company or an organization or the political sphere you know you have to be at least relatively competent at what it is that you do, the sphere that you do it within, and have that knowledge and experience. And also, you know, some of those things you were talking about, being able to cope, cope in a crisis, be able to communicate empathy, you know, with empathy uh, and so forth. So, yeah, it's a huge topic. But if you were just being slightly generalistic, my number one quality of a, a leader in the current, current times would be competence. Okay, and uh, we could sit there probably for hours and hours and sort of take apart some of the what's gone on with COVID in the political leadership and say where we feel different people are. But I I tend to stay away from politics on things like this because it's very divisional. Okay, so we've talked about competence. So that's, again, so you're saying it's the ability to actually lead, I think is what that is, in the environment, understand, connect to people as well. So what else do you think are sort of the characteristics we should be sort of looking out for in leadership i think the, uh, the the second most important thing for me is uh, a leader who has strategic vision you know and and that really means being able to paint a, a positive and inspirational picture of the future if you like for everybody around you particularly in difficult times where there's huge uncertainty so that also combines i think the you know the bigger picture it's a bigger picture plus the strategic vision rather than the the nitty-gritty of the business end of, of running and managing people. So it is that sort of, you know, 
that helicopter view, as some people describe it, of, of the battlefields per se. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yep. So have a strategic view with an operational announce for now, but also where are we going and why are we going there? So that could link to people like Simon Cernak. So start with why and then look at how we then, because for a why or a purpose that people have, people can rally around a purpose. They can't rally around a task. Yeah, no, absolutely. You've got to have the big picture first and, uh, and then the, you know, the execution of that strategic plan can, can follow. But for the, the aspects of uh, good leadership in current times, I think being able to see beyond the nitty gritty and, and come back out for a more peripheral view of, of the whole battlefield, so to speak, or the, the business environment or the industry, or the trade scenario that you happen to be in, uh, really understanding the bigger picture is really, really important. And having a kind of a strategic uh, look at that as to how you fit in, where, where does you and your organization fit in in the big picture? And then obviously what follows then is the, being able to deliver on the execution of the plan or the tasks or the nitty gritty uh, details of, of what it is that you actually do to run your business and so forth. Okay. Now, if I bring that down, sort of, a, sort of somebody who's a supervisor or a team leader, I still think that's applicable because maybe it might not so much about what we do as an organization in the context of the marketplace, but it's just, where does your team fit in the organization's processes and sort of the organization's purpose? Yeah, I'm a great believer in having leadership at all levels in your business. Uh, I suppose unless you're running, well, even if you're running a, a cleaning business, I would love to have and see in any organization, I challenge you to name any type of business that wouldn't benefit from a culture of leadership, allowing for good leadership at all levels of the organization. Correct me if I'm wrong. I would never do that. I'd never do that with your experience, <laughs> your experience. I would say yes. Um, and you could even argue, I would say, that it's, it can also be down to self-leadership. So how do you as an individual show up? What role do you play and how can you help and sort of with your skills and also inspire and create that space for the others around you to sort of, to be the best they can be, even at, even at a peer-to-peer -peer level. Yeah, I mean that's a whole new topic, and you know we, it, it's it's about part of number one. It's about being competent enough, you know, in the role and having enough experience to to take into into the next crisis or the next opportunity that presents itself, and knowing what to do, when to do, and and how to do. Okay, I think importantly for those also, you talked about competency for me is understanding where your competency gaps are as well and be humble enough to seek advice and help. Yes, oh, wow. absolutely. Yeah, I think and, um, if you've done your uh, research, you'll know that I've spent a bit of time in the military mm -hmm. and uh, including uh, some, some time with the special forces unit whose kind of four principles as laid down by uh, its founder, back in uh, 1942, David Sterling, and uh, his four principles included what you're talking about. But number one was the never-ending pursuit of excellence. Number two was self-discipline, or is self-discipline. And number three is, here we go, humility. And uh, number four, incidentally, is humour. And uh, that might come with brackets black, because in 
the military, it's, uh, you know, black humour is uh, yeah, kind of the order of the day. But, you know, you pick up on number three is humility. It's about being humble. It's about not, not thinking that you know uh, everything there is to know about everything involving including people. And actually, instantly, that leads into, I think, my number three quality, which wouldn't probably have appeared in a list on you know, qualities of an effective leader in, say, the current times or 21st century, and that is uh, empathy. Because I think it's about, you know, being able to connect with people emotionally now to extract the best out of your people. And so, like I say, I don't think empathy would, would have been on my list 25 years ago. Um, but I think it's really important now. And you know, if you want to get the best out of people, you're going to need to be able to connect with them uh, in an emotional way, spiritual way, if you like, uh, to uh, bring them on side. Because, uh, you know, that is the way the world is going, I think. Well, yeah, I mean, I think I think it was an interesting article. I didn't read all of it about the other day. And it's about where where technology is taking us and then it's going to be the development of uniquely human aspects that technology can't replace and that's that sort of emotional connectedness as you were talking about the the, the ability to empathize really get past just the sort of the what we got to do here and now but get to know the people individually because i think then you can then start individualizing your approach based on them and what they need and what they're looking for yeah, absolutely. And um, a big part of that, I think uh, the word that I would sum it up is compassion, being compassionate to others, understanding their difficulties, offering a helping hand, particularly, you know, like in current current times, you know, people are going to um, struggle or are struggling. You need to be able to support them in a true, honest and north, you know, authentic way. And you know, if you've got empathy and you have, you know, your, your leadership is centred around compassion, then uh, you stand every chance of keeping people on side and having them you know, work with you. We, we obviously discuss the strategic vision. They're gonna, they're gonna follow you. They're gonna help with the overall mission to, to hand. Okay, which, and that's totally where I like to be because I, I function around sort of appreciating what people are and the strengths they, they bring to a situation and how we can then lean on the strengths of individuals to create what we want to achieve. So. There's one more, if my maths is correct. I never was very good at maths. Was there one more? I think there's a couple more, actually. Okay. But, but, um, Shows you how bad my maths is. There's more than one, then. Yeah, don't worry. It took me three goes to get GCSE maths, and, and that was on the third, third attempt. I got a C, so not, no, no glory from the maths department from, from my side, either. But No, number, number four, I think, is, oh, yeah, it's optimism. It's, you know, it's that... As a leader, you're going to have to be whatever the circumstances, the difficulties, the obstacles. If you can project uh, an optimistic, positive, enthusiastic outlook, not not to go quite so far as like Donald Trump goes the whole time, but you know somewhere between a pessimist and Donald Trump, you're gonna you're gonna be uh, kind of you're gonna be in the right place. So optimism for me, you know, and I, and I see all my career, I've seen slightly negative negative people who w w play their role you know don't get me wrong you need a balance of of different types and styles of personalities but generally speaking the leader i think needs to err on the side of being optimistic rather than the opposite negative okay again something i agree with i think what some people might say well 
how can you be optimistic if your company's going to make people redundant and and or if it's, it looks like the company might be going to the wall so i think it's optimism based in reality so it's not ignoring where we are but just saying there there is something we because I, I don't think you can ever have a conversation with somebody where they say uh, we can't do this or this is what you can't do where you feel that's positive or that's a, a useful conversation to have well, i don't know about you but i I've, I've run a few um few companies in my time and you know it's it's really weird you talk about redundancies and, and losing people and making making people have to you know let people go you know quite often I, i've found that uh, even in those circumstances which you would think are negative scenarios actually you can turn it around and and actually generally speaking most of the people I've had to let go or made, made redundant or have moved on have ended up doing something amazing or you know, something incredible or they've had a better, better you know, uh, work-life balance as a result. So I think you can always, there can always be a, a positive spin on things. Yes, there are obviously difficult moments and tragedies which you're going to have to absorb, adapt and, and cope with. But, but unless there's like a death or, or some, some disaster, then I'm, I'm talking generally in terms of, you know, general day-to-day being optimistic, I think is, is an important quality um, for me. Yeah, I think that's always looking at what does this, so if you, if you like to say, if you have to, if somebody has to leave the organization or somebody is something to okay, so what do you get out of this as an individual rather than looking at what it's going to stop me doing? It's always looking at well, what, what might this enable me to do? So you're looking at the opportunities that this may present in the future. And then as a company or as a leader, you can help, somebody at that where they are now to take advantage of those potential opportunities that this is creating yeah and uh, i was just trying to think there of an example of where a difficult scenario can, can be turned into a positive one and um, what sprang to mind was a an expedition i did i was involved with some 22 odd years ago I was trying to climb everest back in 1996 and then um, we were hit at 8000 meters with a with a monster uh, terrible storm and sadly eight people lost their lives in a short space of time whilst we were hunkering down at, at camp four above the, uh, the into the death zone at 8,000 meters and yes for a good number of hours there was despondency there was despair and and there was tragedy all around us and of course you you know you're not jumping around being optimistic and positive at that very moment but actually you know once the reality of the situation had had manifested itself and we gathered ourselves actually what was important was to be positive and optimistic and enthusiastic and we turned our attention to those people who were in a bad way with frostbite and injuries uh, and actually you know we we put all our energy and enthusiasm into helping and saving them rather than wasting time moping around for, for the people that sadly had already you know died Okay, so I mean that's a very extreme example. It isn't extreme, but I wanted to I wanted to come back to you with an example of even in the worst scenarios, mm-hmm. as a leader, you know people are going to be looking to you for guidance, for uh, a steer as to how to behave, how to perform, how to communicate, and you know if that person the the equal and opposite of, of optimism, I don't need you to I don't need to um, you know me to tell tell you what that is, but I think even in those extreme difficult situations, and some would say we're in one of those you know, periods now, 
the, the team leader, the leader needs to be optimistic in my view. No, I, I, I like the way you, where you've couched optimism in that. And it's not like, as you say, bouncing around saying, oh, look at this, the sun is shining, whatever. It's realising that if we, if we sat and, and, and mould on the negative things we've just experienced, the chances are the people who are injured, we may end up losing more. So what you've got to do is say, what's the situation? What's our best, best move? Let's put our best foot forward and, and uh, get the best out of this situation we possibly can, regardless of where we are with it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, so that's optimism or, as you say, looking at the, the positive outlook on where we are. And the next one? Well, the last quality, I, I mean, there are hundreds of them. But for me, I think a leader nowadays really needs to show and demonstrate an element of resilience. And it's a big word and it's probably quite a big topic. But for me, just that ability to deflect jump over hurdles, you know, endure, adapt and change. And I hope all that means in one word, resilience. But that's kind of what I mean. And I think the, for me, the last major quality, certainly nowadays that people want to see and, and need to see from their leaders is a sense of resilience. Okay. And, and where you put resilience is one is about obviously dealing with what's come coming over the hill and what we're dealing with then is be able to stand up and deal with it. But I like the way about the adaptability as well, because I think where we are now is we do have to, to take a phrase from another podcast did a couple of days ago was about the uh, COVID bingo that comes up is like pivot. So organizations and teams yeah. looking, oh, we've got to pivot, we've got to pivot. But I think just think, let's just say, let's get it back and let's be adaptable because they say the situation is, we've no, nobody alive has experienced anything like this and hopefully we'll never experience it again so we don't know what the future holds so we are going to have to be adaptive as teams as organizations and probably even as individuals so you and i are both in the learning world and learning and development and leadership and that has been turned on its head how that's got how that over the last six months and what it's going to look like in the next two or three years we still don't know Yes, it could be very diff difficult. And, and, you know, we've got to uh, last the course. We've got to find ways to mitigate against these difficult situations and circumstances. And yes, many people have pivoted, as you've said, to an online model. I mean, I've done, you know, obviously more communicating uh, online than I have uh, in previous years. But that's not to say that I've completely uh, ransacked my business model. You know, there's been a bit of time out to reflect and to think how I'm going to adapt my business and my interests to the new ways um, of the world uh, and then with a projection if you like as to what things might look like in in a number of months or years time and so it is you know having that open mind adapting changing where necessary and you know some of the other things being being positive and, and optimistic looking after others you know, having that strategic vision uh, as to where you might go next, all based around that original competence and knowledge and experience that you've got. So uh, hopefully that sort of wraps it up in, in, in one fell swoop there. It did very well. It, very good. It's a very good wrap up. It's, you, you, I think you've done this before. I Never. No, absolutely. First time. So this is your first time actually just, as you say, verbalizing your thought process about where we are. And because I know when we talked before, it was about it's something that's been germinating within you for a while. 
and this is the opportunity for you. Yeah, to... so I mean, you know, my 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 business is um, very very much uh, sort of a training and development. Uh, it's based on uh, three principles: discovery, where we uh, it's continuous learning. It's about uh, you know, working together collaboratively in teams and teamwork. For me personally, it's it's about adventure, uh, and it's about being adventurous, uh, taking a few risks, and uh, having fun. Okay. So I think you could have probably written what I like about my business as well in that, because that's roughly <laughs> without, without the, my, my definition of venture. We didn't like, collaborate that at all, did we, before? No, no, we didn't. It sounds like we did, didn't it? But yes, uh, I, I, I do the adventurous sides as long as it's not too, definitely not up Everest, trust me. So um, many congratulations, because I know there's other things that you've done in your life around that sort of adventurous and been involved in quite amazing activities and, and projects over the years. So well, it's, my, it's my passion. I, I, love, uh, I love an adventure, I love a challenge, and I love to travel and, and to play sport. Sport. Okay, so what's your favourite sport then, the, the sport that you like playing the most? Well, currently, uh, I, have, I would have to say the, the sport of, a unique sport of penny-farthing polo, which is a bit different. <laughs> and, uh, Do you know what? I'd never heard of that until about 25 minutes ago. And there's a yes, it's it's that is scary. That's a long way up, and the it has to be seen to be believed. I, uh, I can imagine when we played at Windsor Windsor Park at the Girls Polo Club uh, for our annual England v Scotland fixture last year. It was in front of um, the Queen and Prince Philip, and um, they were equally gobsmacked as what they were seeing as well. <laughs> it showed you you're never too old to learn and see something new. Never, Absolutely. if it's part of the royal family, are there and they're still learning. Bless. <laughs> so um, it seems you epitomise these sort of things you need that you're saying is involved in leadership because uh, taking your organisation is your t- your company as an example, sort of taking time out, having personal resilience, looking at ways of adapting what we're doing, still being open to what's going on, but still having that helicopter view of the where where does my business still need to be, and taking the considerations of what's going on is about how can I then adapt it to take advantages of where we're going. Yeah, so I'll give you. I'll, I'll, let me give you an example of of where I was at. Well, first of all, when COVID broke in uh, badly in in uh, March, I think it was, I was uh, working on a cruise ship, so that wasn't a good start. And uh, rather than fly back from the states, I uh, had to stay on board and cross the channel uh, to get back. And uh, Mister, well, actually, thankfully, luckily, uh, Mister, week of uh, lockdown, so I had an advantage there. And we were our own little bubble on the ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were latterly a few cases but uh, we escaped that so then we we went into you know the proper proper lockdown period and I took the advantage to have a really good strategic think about what I was doing how I was doing it and how I was going to adapt to the inevitable changes in in society and and the rules and government uh, restrictions and all the rest of it and whilst you know I appreciated that a a lot would have to go online Actually, my, my main raison d'etre was to, to not panic. I knew that small groups at some point would be allowed back into the fray. And so I took a, an interesting decision to take my training courses for small groups up to 12, 14 people, uh, waited for lockdown to finish. And then I was literally the first, I think days after the government lifted the restriction, I, I had pre, pre-arranged my first uh, client engagement with 12 or 13 people but not indoors it was outdoors Scott and mm-hmm. I'd, uh, I'd spent the, the the weeks prior digging out an old fire pit area I have at home which was in slight disrepair 
put a bit of elbow grease into preparing that area to, to host my team meetings and, and client meetings. And, you know, we literally got back in the swing days after the lockdown was lifted. And, you know, almost, well, 13 people come, you know, that very week. Okay, so I think, well, again, that goes back to sort of this resilience and adaptability. And there's a quote, and I can't remember who it's from. It's, and I was on a talk, or she was doing a talk that I was uh, privileged enough to be on there. And it's the books over there, but I can't remember who it was. You're not helping me much. No, I'm not helping you at all at the moment, am I? All the listeners, I'm helping nobody. I, How many syllables? Yeah, I could, we could, yeah, they still wouldn't be able to do that. It's like three syllables, it's a book, it's by name. But in it, she, she was talking about... So, the question you should ask yourself is not is your glass half full or half empty but what's the what's your water and in who needs your glass yeah I, I, I go with that what's in your glass who needs it and how do i get it to them so i think it's about as you say you've identified that yes because of the capacity you have to have people outside that's an opportunity that perhaps you may have not thought of before because we were still indoors and it was quite easy so you've reassessed and i think people like in leadership and small organizations as well, reassess what you've got in your organization. And that's also your assets, your knowledge, your experiences, your network, and say, what are your strengths within your organization that currently exist? And then how can you leverage them, change them, adapt them for how we work? So it's not just about, oh, my business model is changing. Well, it probably will. But don't wait to just go back and run the same way or say, we just go online as a solution. Say, what else have we got? And how can we adapt so who, what is your water? Really identify what in your organization, what your, what your water is, like assets, strengths, knowledge, skills, network, whatever it is. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I would probably change the word water for gin, but uh, we're splitting hairs. <laughs> I don't particularly like gin, no. I think the, the, other, the other way to look at it is, you know, what is it that your clients and customers need? Mm. Rather than thinking, what, how can I adapt to a particular set of circumstances? It's actually turning it around the other way and, and just asking what it is that your customers might need in, in these difficult times. And so, for example, for me, previously, I have a, kind of an outbuilding, a training facility at home here with uh, lucky to, have, to be in the um, Sussex Downs and the National Park. And, you know, I just use the the training facility for my own purposes. But I thought actually, you know, in these difficult times where a lot of people are stuck at home, they could, perhaps can't get to, to work for some reason, or, you know, there's, there's difficulty for social distancing. What, what might they need? And I just thought, well, actually a, a company owner, business owner might need just a social environment to bring their people together. And so I, if you like, I hate the word, but if, if, if you like, I pivoted that element of, of what I have, not to, to, to use it for my purposes, but to offer it to others. And so my facility is now uh, available to hire for anybody. And, and I can just be the, the, the chap who makes the tea and coffees and, and let them use the space uh, and bring their people together. And that's starting to, to happen as well. So uh, it's about, you know, turning it around and asking what and how you can help others which is important. That's that compassion. So I think, yes, when she said is what the, what is your water and what do people need? And it's about matching that need to your water, isn't it? And then how do you get it to them? So that's a, that's an example. Cause I, I just say a lot of times we, we talk about people and say, well, we've just gone online or we've just done this and we've done that. And that's just creating the same products or service, but just in a different 
way of delivering it. And because as, as examples, I think in America, there was a company called Rooftop. I think it was a, a set of hotels and you think, well, they were going to be in serious trouble because nobody was going to hotels for months because they were going to be shut down. And even then people might not trust going back, but what they have is space. So they just re reframed what they, what they looked at and said, we've got space. People might be working from home, but they might be two or three of them trying to work at the time and they've got an important business meeting or uh, they've got, they just want to get their head down and do some an uninterrupted work because they're homeschooling and this going on. So they rented out their hotel rooms by the day and it became a, an office space because obviously it had its own toilet and it had you make your tea and coffee. So you were in there working. So it was safe in your own little bubble and then they'd clean it and let people use it the next day. So it's, yeah. Uh, nice. Yeah. You've just got to do, you know, it's what, it's what we're talking about. It's re- resilience. It's, it's adapting, changing, being mentally and physically tough and, and, and just slugging it out, finding, finding a way to succeed or at least to survive for the short term. And then, hopefully find better times in, in, in future weeks, months, and, and possibly, God forbid, years. Yeah, we, we don't know, do we? As a, and anyone who tells us they know what the future is going to look like or when it's going to be over, is, they're just guessing as much as anybody else. Yeah, and you know, I think um, you have to be realistic. You know, my wife is a director of a catering business uh, that specializes in weddings. They've just came through, you know, the, the awful lull of a terrible winter, we're literally about to launch uh, the wedding season uh, where they obviously make uh, their money and, and recoup the losses and so forth. And of course, uh, lockdown, straight into lockdown, absolute disasters, awful, awful timing. And yes, it, it, it was, it is, and is going to be extremely tough to, for, the, for her and her business to survive. And not everyone is going to make it. And so, taking a good hard look and you know making good decisions even if they're really really tough ones and I think you you know what I'm inferring by that at at any given time yeah I think it's understanding the bit that I think that's the bigger picture aspect isn't it where the strategic awareness and sometimes the the bigger picture of the decision might be this is never going to go back to where I need it to be so I need to sort of walk away from this and maybe go and do something else or try something else or yeah, because um, I've known people who are freelancers and such, such like, and they've because of what's happened, they've now gone back to work for an organisation because they want that more security and and that is more important to them than the freedom of being a freelancer and that that, that stuff they had before. Yeah, and everyone's got to make their own choices, their own decisions, and yeah, just be be realistic as well as optimistic up to the point where uh, there is um, no hope. Having said that, I am a big um, survivalist. I, I, I believe in um, the power of humans to adapt and change and, and be able to survive. And I've witnessed a few incredible heroic survival stories in my, in my time. And, uh, you know, the, don't underestimate the power of humans to survive. No, I think we can adapt and we will. And I just think it's the people with the sort of mindset you're talking about, are the people who can lead other people through that adaption easier. Uh, Absolutely, and so, hopefully some of the some of the qualities I've mentioned in in you know in our chat today you know will help with that. Whether that's you know the strategic vision, having that competency and the knowledge and experience, or the empathy, you know, or you know that just that resilience and optimistic uh, outlook uh, will help. 
Okay. Normally what I do near the end is ask people to give them their top five tips for what we've talked about, but all we've done is talk about those five tips. So uh, we don't need to re and we've recapped it several times. Sure, I just sure. want to finish again, cause I love quotes, but I can't remember. I can remember this person's quote, the guy called Gary Klein. And he wrote a book called what everybody's seeing, which is about gaining insights and new ways of thinking. And I think it was in that book, but he says, when you gain an insight, you can't go back to your old way of thinking. So I'm hoping that partly the, the idea of these web uh, podcasts I do is hopefully to give people insights to adapt and change and um, help them move forward in whatever they, whatever field they choose to do. So, so Neil, I would th- thank you very much for your time. Very insightful. With the well, thank you. It's been a bit of a, a bit of a chat and a, a little bit of waffle, but hopefully there's a few few things in there that people could take away. Of course, I wish everybody the very best of luck facing an uncertain future, but. Hopefully you'll face it with you know, optimism and uh, you know, courage. And my little quote is uh, from uh, a Roman poet and centurion back in the day, uh, a chap called Ennius. And he said famously, fortune favours the brave. That's where that comes from. Okay, I didn't know that again. Every day's a school day. So there you go. And, and I like my quotes. So there's another one I can add to my list. So fortune fortune favors the brave okay lovely well again thank you very much for your time today um hope you listeners have got some points out of it and uh take on the way you are looking to lead and again that comes from personal leadership all in leadership throughout the whole organization within those five principles so thank you very much neil